0: America welcome back all the world the whole entire universe here we are again and happy Thursday to all of you yes yes
1: happy Thursday
0: yes welcome back to the Whitebeard and TK podcast I am one of your hosts I am the best person here in this room what with you what
1: that's not true
0: okay anyway so, I'm one of your hosts. I am T. Anthony, of course, also known as Whitebeard. And you are experiencing the Whitebeard in Picasso. will oh, just forget it. Okay. Oh, I forgot to say. It. And standing right next to me is the uh... Bugs Bunny. Oh, Lord. Here we go again. Another day, another week. What do bugs always say? And It's another day, another carrot. Are you done? Yes. You got it all out of your system? Yes. Can we move on with the show? Yes. You know, a lot of crazy stuff been happening in the news recently, right? Yes. You can't say to people, you're a pig. Because apparently it's insulting the pigs. Oh, that may have insulted some of the listeners who heard me say that. Okay, well, whatever. Whose who show is this?
1: Mine.
0: It is mine. It's what?
1: That is mine.
0: Why are you starting trouble?
1: Because. No. I didn't start trouble. Trouble started me.
0: Whatever. So, hey, how was your week? How was your yesterday? How oh, was your today? That was one. Yeah. And how was your today? How's
1: your tomorrow gonna
0: be? They don't know that. We don't know what tomorrow is going to be. We've already known that this is going to happen. Okay. Folks, we are here for the first Thursday of, uh, what is it, 2020,
1: 2021
0: 2021. Um, oh, oh look at that. You know what? Isn't it supposed to be Black History Month? Yes. Should we do a Black History Month something? If you want to. Sh- should we raise our fist up in the air? No. Okay. So we'll just move on like it is any other day. So here we are for the first Thursday, and I haven't figured it out yet. So by the time that you're actually listening to this, it might have an actual title. But I was thinking Thursdays would be something like um book reviews and stories. Stories and book reviews. Haven't gotten a name yet. So by the time we actually air this, then I will probably have a name to title that in there. So just by saying that, you kind of figure out where we're going to be, and we are currently. I had another book in mind for us to do. It was a, it was two audio books actually. Uh, it was actually three audio books. It was two in the beginning, and then I picked up another one, and then I picked up an, another. We won't talk. We we won't talk about. It's just one of those things that when you're laying in bed at night and you're reading something, and a thought pops into your head, and then you go and you search for something, and then you find. Something else, no. And then you click the button. No. What? No. Yes.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. Yes. No.
0: I have ordered beard oil, and woke up the next morning and forgot that I even ordered it. And then I get an email saying it's being shipped. How?
1: How do you forget?
0: Because most of times when I'm doing this is very late at night. It could be like twelve. It could be midnight when I'm supposed to be asleep. But then. It's one o'clock and I go, oh wait, you know something? I ran out of such and such. Let me look at this. And I go, Oh, remember that movie? And then I'm sitting there in the bed and then sometimes I'm reading a Kindle and I'll put that back and then I'll look at something and I'll click the button and then it's coming in the mail. Yeah. This has never happened to you? No. Whatever, (laughs) I refuse to talk to you Anymore today, I'm going to talk to the person,
1: okay? We'll just communicate telepathically,
0: whatever. So, this week, um, it's actually not going to be this week where I think we're going to go through a couple of chapters each week, so this may go on for the rest of this month. But, um, we were reading this book by Vodi Bakum, and it's called Tell them what it's called. What He Must Be. What?
1: What He Must Be.
0: Take the lie, pop out your mouth. It
1: is. What
0: He Must Be If He Wants to Marry My Daughter. This book has been in his family and beloved for a while, um, mostly between me and my wife and myself. I discovered a couple of years ago. He wrote a few other books that um, I had of the uh, faith-driven family. There's a few. He has another one coming out. And the name escapes me one day, maybe next week, I'll bring it back up. I'll bring it up. So this book came out a few years ago. And when I read it, I was like, whoa. And so I shared it with, with my wife and we we talked about the book. And then I had her read the book and we had it as a summer reading. And then we brought a couple of copies and we passed it out to our kids. We, have, we raised six in total. That would be two boys and four girls and the four oldest are we just talked about that the other day how many years older is the oldest from you uh,
1: like 16 or something
0: 14 15 years it was somewhere somewhere around that because you said you and Imani were like 13 years apart and the other ones are two years older than her so anyway so she missed the go-round and reading this book now like that old saying goes you can lead a horse to water but you what can't force it to drink you can't make it drink so the book went to all of our then mid-teen kids how many of them read it i couldn't tell you because every time we tell them to do something they they didn't do it anyway so there you go so now um i i was thinking about this book and i was talking to her about something i said you know what did you ever and I know that she had the book so then I got it again and I was gonna have you read it but then I said you know what let's go through this together and then so this is how we end up with this book I think it's a great book that many fathers and and sons and daughters and wives ought to pick up and read and you know read it through with your kids or just read it yourself and and take some great ideas from it um, vodi Bakum is a Christian I uh, believe he's a pastor he's now the dean in a school that escapes me, and I'll write this down, and maybe next week I will tell you the name of the school. I believe it's in South Africa. So in this book, what he must be is pretty much basically what? What is it, what it, what is it about?
1: Standards for the husband that you want your daughter to marry.
0: Yes, standards for your husband, standards for the husbands for the daughters, and it's also standards for the for the daughters, to 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 look for the qualities and things to look for within a husband when they get to that marrying age, um, not the age of dating as so many of us in America do, but you know more so, more importantly, that age where you know they're they're coming around that age of of marrying college and and so forth. Um, But yes, it's not just for him, and that's why I said the book would be really good. And and I think even Vody goes into it that this is not just for your daughters, it's for your sons. It's This is what you want these people, the characters that they have. And he uses, so far, um, we're just going to get into chapters one and two today. And a movie that we recently saw. And so um, chapters one and two, and so far he's used Ephesians. Um, there's, there, I mean, when <laughs> you need to have this book, a Bible. Sorry, yes, this is from a Christian perspective. Although some of you listening may not be a Christian, it really doesn't matter because I think that when you talk about the standards of something that you're looking for, you might want to use this as some great ideas. However, so it is coming from a Christian perspective. So he's using Ephesians. Um, Deuteronomy but there's a whole lot more I mean like when you come to this book you need to have a notepad so you can write down notes and all the different verses if you want to go back and read it it's a really I don't want to say it's dense but yeah it's 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 uh it's filled with meat so we're going through chapters one and two and so far, what are you what are you up to? I think what's the name of the first chapter?
1: Multi-generational vision.
0: Multi-generational vision. Okay, so what do you what do you what did you glean from that? What do you think about this multi-generational vision? Your take on um, what he said.
1: That people need to be more careful with how they're raising their children because you know, you could teach your child something, and then they or they could grow up with yes, they can grow up with you teaching them something, and then they'll think that you know this is the only thing that they know, and then they'll grow up and teach it to their children. And it'll just keep going, um, and then you know the whole entire bloodline is just messed up, and nobody knows any better than what they've been taught. Which is why it's very important to teach your children, like on, on what type of people they should be, like not only husbands and wives, but I think it also applies to like, being so like, what people like you're a stand up citizen, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, you're a stand up guy, a guy at work to told me all the time, you're a stand up guy, you're a stand up guy, I'm like, thank you. Yeah. That's all. Uh,
1: Yes, for now.
0: Okay, the term multi generational is really biblically based and biblically founded and I get and that's how he starts off with because when you look in the Bible, whether it's Deuteronomy or other places you hear that people will prepare for future generations. Um, I, I think it's a proverb, which escaped me because I did not write these things down. Uh, we usually come here with no notes and just turn on the mic. You see that when um, when you're talking inheritance, biblically speaking, when you're talking inheritance, it's something, something that's going to be passed down to the next generation. So what you're doing is, with the first generation is you're building up this wealth. You're building up this equity. You're building up this farmland. You're building all this stuff and you're working hard and you teach your kids about all of it, but you're not building it because you're going to be living on the planet forever. You're building these things so that it can be passed down for generations. Some years ago when I was like maybe in my early 20s, I asked this question at a family reunion. They were talking about all the stuff, um, I forgot what it was. And, and I had asked, well, is there some land in the family that people know about? And um, I had one of my relatives turn around and look at me and pretty much laugh and mock me and said, what do you think this is, Roots? Because Roots had come out a few years earlier in, in 1970s. And I was very serious. And of course, the other person was very serious, but that hurt me deeply to the point where, you know, a few other things happened. I said, you know, I'm never coming back to another one of these reunions. And I bring this up because of the thinking, the thinking process. And sometimes you can pass things down from one generation to the next generation, like poverty. You know, we we live in public housing and there there are a lot of people who are far worse off than us. But a lot of times, you know, like when you're going to school or when you're in school and and people were saying things and you know, it wasn't too cool to be smart. Like, how do you, where do you get this from? And you mock the people who are very smart. You mock the kids who are intelligent and getting these great grades. It's like, where do you learn this behavior from? Instead of teaching this good behavior that will be passed down. And a lot of times, as you were just saying, you know, people pass down the negative things that continue on. Oh, you, you, you see that move, I just saw. And I know I just went way off the deep end, I'll bring this back to you. So if we think, multi-generationally. When Cheryl and I first got married, we prayed for our children to the fourth and fifth generation. I kid you not, that's the words we would use when we prayed. And we prayed for the husbands and the wives and the children and the great children and the great grandchildren, all those that would come from our genes for the next four to five generations. We would ask them that they would serve the Lord. We would ask God that he would protect them and that they would be people who would know him. Now, that prayer was said then, we will long be off this earth, mom is gone, we'll long be off this earth, and yet that prayer will still be there in the Lord's hands to unfold. We think, generationally down the line, where, as you know, what wasn't important to our parents before, we tried to make sure that it was imparted into our children so they can pass that on to their children. So going back to pulling this back to, we prayed for those generations down the line. You know, when you look at these guys in the Bible and so-and-so, when they had these, the, uh, what did I say it was? I have no idea. Thank you for helping me. Um Inheritances they were set up by the family it was passed down by the family and it goes to the next family member so it always stayed in there you know we look at um sometimes uh, to to bring this to something even more clearer that you can see uh, i was watching something and the person was talking about the land that they had in a family and it was like you really want to give it up and it was like you know this has been in your family for 3 generations There are people south of New York City, because we live in New York and everyone in New York City thinks only one way. The city is it. But there'll be people south and west and everything else who have purchased land. And they've kept that in their family for generations. Now for city dwellers, we don't think about that, but just think about it, you have this partial of land, you have all this land and on that you can build houses, you can tear houses down, you can put more houses on there. Your family members for generations on down will have a place to live. Mm -hmm. It will always be theirs. Mm -hmm. And too often we don't think like that. And far too often, sometimes we think like that about money But we don't think like that about our children's future spouses. So that's where this book kind of comes into. It's like, you know what, let's take this the same sort of generational thinking and put this towards your spouse. Because we're still thinking about the family. We're still thinking about the kids moving forward. But here are a few other steps. So he talks about, it was John Edwards, John Edwards, was Jonathan Edwards whose family he had um Something
1: like that.
0: I'll write it down and I'll get back to you on that. Um, but it was multiple generations and looked at his his family about 100 some odd years later. And I think I mentioned this at one of... What I didn't know, I don't think I know. I mentioned this at one of my kids' wedding. When I talked about that, I also went and I studied about a family in New York City. Oh, sorry, a family in New York. A hundred years of the family. I forgot how many generations it was. Like 150 years of nothing but stone cold criminals. I'm going to get you that. And I'm going to have you read it. It's going to make you flip out. And so what I did was like, here's Ron Edwards, you know, faith and talking about God. And then here's this family with nothing but a bunch of criminals. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. So... Um, Multi-generational was talking about that stuff in the first chapter. And um, things you should, you know, a young lady should look for, things that you want your sons to be like. But, yeah, so go on. What did you, what did you? Um,
1: And the first chapter, there was like a a list of things. I mean, this isn't the total and complete list, but like, I guess there, it's just like four, well not four, because in the last bullet point, I guess, that I have is multiple things. But I, I'm just going to like read them. Um, first, he must be a Christian. Um, he must be committed to biblical headship. He must welcome children. Be a suitable priest, prophet, protector, and provider.
0: And those things are important. Yes. Why?
1: Um, because, well...
0: Well, you can work backwards from the children because we've seen a number of movies where you've gotten mad when a couple argued over kids, so...
1: Yes. I mean, I think that's one of the conversations you should have before you go and get married to somebody. Is, do they want kids? How many do they want? Do they want kids now or later on in marriage? Do they want to adopt children? Do they have children of their own? And then, you know, in movies, you see one person doesn't want kids, and it's like, well, you should have talked about this before you got married. Or if you even knew, and you say you want kids, and the person you married to doesn't want kids, why did you get married?
0: Right. And that creates a problem because then that means that either one of the husband or the wife, which everyone wanted the children, the other one didn't, you signed on for a life, say a life sentence, you signed on for a life commitment with someone who doesn't want to advance the family, who doesn't want to have children, and that can bring about a lot of misery. Yeah. Anything else in there? Um, I said you can work backwards, but you said no.
1: I guess the other ones all go like together. Because... You know, a person that, well, I mean, let's say, like, emotionally, I guess you would provide for each other, but, (laughs) like, when you get married to your husband, and he's supposed to be the leader of the home, like, the head of the home, and yes, you are supposed to come, that doesn't mean necessarily that everyone else's opinions get squashed, either. Because even though he is the head of the home, you work together as a couple. To, are you going to?
0: Yes, and and firstly, you know when when my and I got first married, when we when we first got married, um, I told you we were we were older, but that doesn't matter. When we first got married, um, our whole first year was you know she got pregnant two months after we were married and um, all the other things, we were a blended family. So we already started out pushing uphill. Mm-hmm. But I was a believer. She was a believer. For those who are not Christians, a believer, believe in Jesus Christ and all those other things. So we were both Christians. And I had already been a Christian for quite some time and so was she. So we knew where we stood, we knew what we believed. I wasn't some brand new baby Christian who was like, yeah, I'm a Christian, and at the same time, he pushing up on every girl he can find up in the church. That was never me. She wasn't some brand new Christian looking for some boyfriend. Woohoo. That wasn't us. We were very mature in our faith. We had already been, you know, Christians for at least three, three to four years. And so when we would see young couples or some guy who, you know, a, a fresh, a fresh Christian fresh, fresh in the faith and he's like, well, like that girl I'm like pump the brakes man pump the brakes at least take a year take a year to get to know yourself take a year to get to know Christ first take a year to to read that word and get that in you before you even think about moving into a relationship with somebody else because when we come to him we're coming with a lot of baggage that God has to begin to clean that up. And when you come into marriage, you're also coming in with a lot of baggage or you're coming in with a lot of different things because you've got two different worlds coming together. Mm -hmm. She may have grown up in a big family. He may have grown up in no family. She may have grown up with just a single parent. He may have grown up with both of his parents who were very old or very young. And so the, the, the dynamics there are different in the two worlds coming together. And so, if you're talking, I'm a Christian, then okay. Then the first thing you need to look for is what? What was the first bullet point you had? A Christian. That's right. Not the fake dude. Not the fresh off the off the bench like, put me in, coach, put me in, coach. Nah, no. <laughs> no. One who has been proven and tested to know, and you know that he is a, say it again, Christian. That's right, because leading after that will be, what's the next in your bullet point?
1: Committed to Biblical Headship.
0: Right, committed to Biblical Headship. Now, that means Christ is above you, you are next in line, your wife, your kids, and everything else falls in that line. Now, many listening to this will probably have their knickers in a twist, their panties in a bunch, their hair in the curl, what else? Give me something else. I don't know. their nose bent out of shape. Because I said that, because it's more of a traditional, a, a more traditional look at marriage, where today in our society, today in our world, we've moved so far away from that. So when you hear things like this, people get all cringed up and like, you know what, relax yourself. Because some people have taken this sort of teaching and ran too far to the other end. You know what I mean? Because if you go back to Genesis, God created both male and female and they were equal from the beginning. There was no equal rights for women, equal It was already there. So it was already there. What do we have? We have two different sort of, um, I wanna say jobs. You know where she's primarily running the, the the family and the children while he's outside providing for so and so, but it doesn't mean that he's out providing and comes in and doesn't pick up the kids or wash the dishes do something else. That's not how that works because it's supposed to be a partnership.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, um, even though they have different tasks, they're both equal, and in being equal, they're there. To, to help one another and doing all these different tasks. I'm not gonna go that way because we'll be going down a rabbit hole from that. So, you, you want that person. And when we talk about the priest, it, it, all, all the scriptures and stuff that he said, but anyway, when you talk about the priest, that's extremely important. Why is that important?
1: So that- Because you just
0: end up staring at me.
1: So that the family can stay strong together. And not just, like, fall apart. Because, like, when, let's say, you're on a soccer team or a football team, there's always going to be a coach to tell you what the plays are, and to walk you through them, to help you win the game, I guess.
0: hmm Good analogies, but that's not pushing it to where you know it's supposed to be. What is a priest? In the Bible what did they do? They taught people. That's right they taught the people they gave yeah. sacrifices for the people. Um, if you talk about like in a, in a, in a pastor in a, in a church your job is to teach the flock watch over the flock and care for them. This is the same thing as the husband being the priest in the home his job spiritually is to lead the children and to lead the house and family worship He should be praying for his wife and his children and himself on a daily basis. So when you talk about being a priest in the home, it's like, okay, so you take on all these things that they did. You take on all these things that Jesus did. You do all of this and more. And that's to shepherd your family, watch over them. And um, I forgot where I was gonna go, but what was the other things?
1: No protector.
0: Clearly a protector. I've seen so many things living where we live in a hood or everybody says a hood, right? I don't know why we say in certain neighborhoods it's called the hood and nobody else lives in a hood. But we live in a ghetto area and it's always funny to me to watch these guys during the summer, even sometime during the winter, during the summer, walk down the street and the girls is half naked and they wearing their clothes up to their neck and then get mad if some other guy is checking her out. Didn't get mad at her. I'm like, hold hold up, hold up. You let her walk out the door like that. <laughs> if you was concerned, then maybe you should have voiced your concerns before the two of you got dressed and left. <laughs> so anyway, I just do that one. That's, that's, a, that's a, um, a bonus. But that was a uh, protector. And um I'm not going to get into the protector thing. I should, but go on, because you're just standing there. Come on, talk. Talk, talk, talk. That's it. That's Chapter it. one. Okay. So what did you get out of from chapter one?
1: Um, I basically summed up <laughs> what I was going to say already.
0: So basically, Soy boys, you're not getting anywhere near her. So I'm just I'm just putting it out there. I mentioned that before on podcasts last year. It's like, I've seen this kid. I've watched her grow her from being her early teens to to uh, uh, to 17 she'll be 18 soon next month. And um
1: I'm literally allergic to soy milk. <laughs> and so I mean, I mean I don't really think that has anything to do with your level of testosterone if you drink some soy milk, you might just be lactose intolerant, I really don't care.
0: Yes, but um, <laughs> I had a few things I want to say. I'm just going to leave it alone. Um, but but I but I've noticed the things that she, you know, watching on TV and in movies, and and then I, you can you can you can always see the reaction when you sit with your daughters when the person comes across the screen. You know what I mean? And the little wimpy dude just. I'm sorry. Now. You know, one of the things he did mention, not saying whoopy guys can't be, I'm just saying, but but I'm just saying, but, but.
1: But also, you could be like a bodybuilder and be not emotionally there. That is annoying. I would not date, let alone marry somebody like that.
0: Yes, but um, getting back to the points that we can move you into chapter two. (laughs) Another thing he brings up in chapter one Is and see now you made me forget. What was the last thing we said? I don't know. See, I went to soy and I and I started laughing. Oh, about you know. That that's not an extensive list. The bullet points that she wrote down. That's not an extensive list. But you know, it's it's not about the money because none of none of the things on the list was that this person needs to be filthy rich. It doesn't mean need to be filthy poor either because nobody want to be living. And a cracker box, but I'm just saying. So doesn't have to be wealthy. doesn't have to have these other things. But when you're talking about being a Christian, then these are the basic, these are some of the very basic things that this person needs to have. And if he doesn't have that, it's time to say, I don't think so. Because you set yourself up for trouble down the line. Um, should we take a break and come back and then get into chapter two? Yeah. Okay. We'll be back in a second. Hit that button. Now that we have your attention for the next few minutes or seconds, maybe even the next hour, okay, it won't be that long. wanted to tell you about some new things that are coming up. You can support us by, as usual, as we've always said, but we have some new things that's going to be coming out in the next week or so. But in the meantime, we have a brand new Gmail that you can reach us at, and that's at whitebeardandtk at gmail.com That's
1: whitebeardandtk at gmail.com
0: And be sure to follow us on Instagram. Where could they find us?
1: At the whitebeardandtk podcast on Instagram.
0: That's right. That's the whitebeardandtk podcast on Instagram. Back to the show. And just like that lickety-split, we're back. Aren't you happy? Aren't you ha- really? you just going to leave me hanging like that? I'm, I was- Yeah. Pumping the people- woo! Yeah, we're back. Whatever, let's move on to chapter two because we just saw a couple of movies and I think one really stands out that really, really illustrates the point. Of, and I didn't- when I picked the movies for this weekend because last weekend you picked it and the other week you picked the other one, so it was my weekend to pick this weekend's movies. I did not, I did not purposely pick that film. I really didn't. I really, really didn't. But anyway, so go go ahead to chapter two. What was, what's the heading called?
1: The Ministry of Marriage.
0: The Ministry of Marriage. That should have come with some song and some... No. What? No. You know what, whatever. Go ahead and talk. I'm done with you.
1: Um, I only wrote down one thing. Because the rest of it was in my head.
0: Okay, well, tell me about it.
1: Um, I wrote about how his marriage is better for adults and kids, because you know sometimes they'll be like people on the internet. Are like, I'm so my my parents are divorced, but I have two separate rooms and I get two separate Christmases. So it's whatever. You know what I mean?
0: Yes. But, but it's hard.
1: But I feel like it's not as good as having your parents married. and I'm not talking about like your parents are married but your parents are also abusive. Obviously that's bad. But like if your parents are in a good marriage and they have a good relationship together and everything's working like okay you have some healthy disagreements but if you're in screaming matches all the time guys marriage counseling. That wasn't supposed to be my point but Mm -hmm. Um, but just that, you know, it helps to have two parents.
0: You saw the benefits in having two parents. Yeah. And raising kids, That's Emotionally. To, yeah, as opposed physically,
1: to. Physically, because you have two people to go pick up different people from school or whatever it may be.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's true. I know that, they're, well, they're a great single parents and single mothers. And you know what? All those years, people forgot the single fathers, which at one point... I was a single father raising two kids for a little bit. You know, after that first relationship fell apart and then I'm having two kids before I met mommy. And um, yes, it's doable. Yes, it can happen. But yes, let's not play this game. It's extremely difficult. And there may be some kids who grow up out of it and they're very successful, but it is extremely difficult. And there is always going to be something missing. You know, we talked about this as we, we listened to that chapter and, and Vody was talking about and his whole entire neighborhood, there were, no one had their father in a home. And, and what, did he go through like how many of his family, his children, his great grand? It was like at least 20 something, 30 people were in his family, right? When you add all the cousins and siblings and whatever it was, was that no one grew up with their father. And, you know, and I said the same thing to you. It's like, wow. I had the same situation. None of my friends when I was growing up had their dads in the house. And we all got into some wicked trouble. Me and some of them knucklehead friends of mine. But none of us had our fathers. You know, my father, obviously, my father was not obvious. My father was alive, but he didn't live with me. And I can't remember a time when he did. Um, Maybe my sister can remember that. She's four years older than me, but... He was never in the house. He would come on the weekend, and in the early days of growing up, he was an alcoholic. So, you know, we spent a lot of times going out and, and stopping at the bar before we went back to his house. And, but, you know, he long since gave that up. But my cousins, for better or for worse, had their fathers in their houses. So, and, and that was crazy, and, and most of it, uh, most of the men in my family were in the military, the old guard, those old guys, so. So that was just really weird to see the context of, I understood exactly what he meant growing up in a single family household. Mm-hmm. Single, no, single parent household, and the difficulties that come out of that, and the certain things that are missing. I was watching this movie last night without you, but I'll watch it again with you, have no problem. And it gets to this point in the movie and the kid says, well, if grandpa was alive, what would you want him to have taught you? And so the dad goes, how to tie a tie. I'm like, really? He said, yeah, how to tie a tie. Because his father was a salesman and he was always on the run and he always wore a tie. So he's going to wear a tie like his dad. But his dad would say, you know, later, uh, tomorrow. But then tomorrow would come, he would be gone. He wasn't home. And so the son says, that's why you wear a clip-on tie. He said, yeah. This man just retired from work at 60-something or 50-something, 60 years old, and had never learned how to tie a tie. Yeah. I always wanted to learn how to fix a car. My father was a mechanic, so. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So what else you got going on there for Chapter 2? You said you had something in your head.
1: That marriage lowers the rate of, like, um, what was it, drug abuse? Mm-hmm. Or, I guess the use of drugs um, in, like, certain areas where there are a higher amount of married people. There are, I think there was also, like, less crime as well.
0: Why are you stand like that? Get in front of my mic and talk. Right, so, again, another benefit of having a... A two-parent home. Okay. Was that it? Yes. Okay. So yeah, there there are many benefits. I know when we were paying our taxes, there was awesome benefits to <laughs> To a married couple uh, filing their taxes, um, it says that uh, married men are in greater health, more so than young single men and, and single men. Yeah. And that's, uh, it, it was funny, I, I would go to work and I eat certain things. And I see some of my coworkers eating things and I, I'd turn around and go, uh, does your wife know you're eating that? No, she'd kill me, <laughs> would be their answer. But see, I had the extra benefit that I loved my wife and I loved my life. So even though I was apart from mommy, I still ate <laughs> the right foods to stay alive mm-hmm. because I had to be alive for her and for the kids so yeah that might actually be <laughs> the reason why married men seem to live a little bit longer and, and a little bit healthier I mean they may pack on a couple of pounds every year but oh yeah so um, but I think a perfect illustration of this is this film that we saw on Pure Flix which was called, um, what was the name of it?
1: Princess Cut.
0: The Princess Cut.
1: No, just Princess
0: yes, Cut. Yes, Princess Cut. What was it about? What's the Princess Cut? A diamond. Ah, very good. It's, it's a diamond, and yes, so it was a play on words with this film. The Princess Cut. And tell, me, tell me about this movie.
1: It's about this girl. It's about this girl who's had... At least in the movie, multiple relationships.
0: Yes, multiple relationships.
1: One was long distance. Um, and he, he went
0: off. To, was he in college? Yeah. Yeah, he went off to college, and she was home at the family farm. Um,
1: and that one didn't work out because he came into town. And was like, <laughs> I have something special to tell you. And it turns out he was engaged to another girl.
0: But before she knew that, she was out, out in the store looking at some rings. They're like, woo, I like that one right there, the big old diamond. And she came home and told her parents. And um, I like what the dad did. He looked at the mother and just said, this is before she went out to the diner, right, to meet the friends? Yes. And he said, she's getting too emotionally attached. And I don't know what, the, what it was that they sensed or saw But the dad felt that. And so she goes to the diner and her boyfriend says.
1: (laughs) In front of all his college friends.
0: All of his friends. Me and
1: so and so are engaged.
0: And her face dropped and her heart broke. So she comes home crying to her mom and her dad. And um, the next day or so she goes out. To go get herself a delicious coffee.
1: And he's the guy that was at the jewelry shop that was working there.
0: Yeah, which she didn't know, and I didn't know. I didn't really think about it until after he said it, because I'm like, his face looks familiar, but he wasn't wearing a shirt and tie. But now this kid is working at the at the, working at the coffee shop, so he recognized her. as like, I do I know you're from somewhere? The She's Red like,
1: flag number one. This man
0: cannot keep a job. Ooh, high five. There you go. Um, (laughs) red flag, number one, flag on the play. (laughs) Where's my whistle? I don't have it. Anyway, so she sees him and he he says, do I know you? And her her response is pretty much like, nah, I'm I'm not into that right now. Please just leave me alone.
1: And then he didn't. Red flag number two, somebody tells you to leave him alone. Do it.
0: So Mr. Persistent comes up and he talks to her and says, I know you, you're the person looking at the ring. She gets upset, you reminded me of the worst day of my life. And then they just move on from there. And then she leaves with her empty cup because in the movies they really think they faking us out when the people lift up a cup and there's nothing in there. And so anyway, no, no, what was the thing that we noticed? The foam, right?
1: Yep, there was whipped cream on it and then it was gone.
0: That was hilarious, put whipped cream on it and then get it and there's nothing, but anyway. So she goes to leave, and he runs out and says, Can I have your number? Pretty much. He's like, oh.
1: Take it away. Uh Uh-huh. Then they go on a couple dates. And one of her dates starts raining. And so he goes, we should probably, well, they run to the car. And so he drives to his house. It's like you should come inside and catch right off, and I'll take you home.
0: Well, there was a flag that ran up before that. We shouldn't say flags, because now we're tipping every we're tipping off the top. We're tipping the movie. But um, he did something before that. He, he he was a little bit close. It was proximity where he was. But go on about the ring, though.
1: Oh, he tried to kiss her multiple
0: times on screen before this, and yep. she like every time he tried yeah. to he come in, she turned
1: um,
0: dejected.
1: Red flag number three um drives in front of his house and he goes come on you should come in she was like no again going back to like red flag number two very persistent very annoying and creepy um then he goes it's okay my roommate is there red flag number five
0: man you just skipped a big one you skipped a biggie the one that you had me pause the movie for when he showed up at her house Oh, he was yeah. supposed to call yeah. and showed up at her house. Said, Red um,
1: flag number six. Like, how do you... How did you get her address? He said, I looked you up online.
0: Like, on social media. Escage like, really? 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 And so, um, before this happens, the daughter comes and goes to her father and says...
1: I met a guy. Yeah. At the coffee shop.
0: At the coffee shop. He's like, what? Yeah, he's really nice and he's funny. How many times have I heard that from girls? He's funny. And, um... And he's he really he teased me in the beginning, but then you know, it, he was nice after that and he helped me. He's like, I bet, <clears throat> which is like any thinking man or father was go that yeah, I bet he did.
1: That's like when you were little, and a boy slapped you in the face. Your parents were like, he just likes you, which has never happened to me. No. But I, I see it all the time on TV, and I'm like, what?
0: No. What? I, I pass notes, and some girls pass notes to me when I was very young, so you knew. Mm-hmm. There, there there was no you didn't know and there was no pulling the pigtail so he shows up at the house and then her and so her father says before she goes on a date he tells her i want to meet this guy and then something else happens oh it was the son the brother <laughs> gotta love the little brother the little brother put an ad so they they the conversation didn't finish because the little brother put an ad in the paper that said there's a girl who needs a guy. Come and get her. <laughs> she makes really good macaroni and cheese. And she so had all these guys, these supposed suitors come to the door. That was really funny in the movie. Anyway, so now we fast forward to he comes to the house and she says, you know what? Okay, well, come in. My dad wants to talk to you anyway, he wants to meet you. So they come into the house and you know he meets him and the father shakes his hand and sizes him up like in a second. And says, hey, you want to sit down and talk? About- oh, no, 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 no. I was just going to get a coffee and I just stopped by to see if she wants to come.
1: If that's okay.
0: Dude, that's like the whole box of flags just fell on the feet. And then we go to the rain scene what you were talking about.
1: First of all, you and your stupid roommate could team up against her and do something. So, no. Second of all... She didn't wanna come in and you just kept, kept saying, yeah, yeah, I'll go see if he's in there. He goes inside, comes outside and goes, it's okay. And she went inside. Girl, that was six red flags already.
0: Right, and this kid was extremely handsy. You know what I mean? And, you know, and I tried to teach her and I tried to teach her, I was like, you know, I, don't, I don't like women who are too familiar either. And I don't think I was like that as a kid. As a, as a boy, but I didn't, I don't like who too, too familiar with me. Hey, babe, I, I don't know you. hun. I mean, I'll take that from someone in the store who's working behind a register. And, and I know as you know, ladies will say that to guys. Hey, hun. but if I don't know you and we're talking about a different type of situation, like with these two, they're meeting and they're going out on dates or something else. A little bit too familiar for me is like, mm, back that up just a little just a little bit you know you could be a bit of assertive just a little bit but don't be aggressive don't be overly assertive because I just back like now nah, why you and so you know when you have daughters trying to teach that to them and you know so we would say in context when you look at this guy and there are another guy shows up in the film when you look at the context where she was standing, and the guy hugged her, and it was side to side, you know, like, like the church hugs, it's a side to side thing. And when they talk and they sit, he sat beside her, and was always respectful about her space.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: May I sit over here, or, or, or these things, and and you could see the difference between them was night and day, the other guy didn't respect space. so. If the other guy would have leaned in maybe for a kiss, perhaps, perhaps she would have felt comfortable with it. He respected the space and then in that, the two of them grew together. Mm-hmm. And they grew to know each other and like each other. I'll get to that in a second, but Mr. Hansy would touch her hair. Like you're reaching out, touching her hair and you're stroking her, touching her shoulder, like, dude, what is wrong with you? But we come to find out that he is one of the worst Type of people ever, so yeah. What
1: he's also a stalker, yes, he is. Yeah, anyway, later on, she goes, I'm just gonna wait for God to send me a man, send me a husband, and she did.
0: She, and he sent her a good one,
1: he moved in next door.
0: <laughs> he brought the farm next door, he's a doctor too. He brought a farm next door, and um he needed some advice or help with stuff. And so her father helped him out with a few things. They, they went over to greet him by the way, as a whole family and invited him to go to church. He said, "Okay, fine, you know, I just moved into town, that's good. And so he lived next door and he was working on a farm and trying to start a family practice. And the dad helped him out with a few things. And um, and in one scene, her brother gets hurt. Almost got run over by a car and the doctor just happened to be at the house talking to the dad. so he rushes over and helps the kid. And then they start a, a, a rapport with the entire family
1: mm-hmm.
0: going forward. And what we see later on, which we don't know until you start to hear them talk, is that this was going on for months. Yeah. For months, he had been around a family, he had helped them with their uh, soybean farm that they were doing, and then all of a sudden he kind of picked up, because every once in a while they would give each other an eye, right?
1: yeah
0: but she says she was off the market and then he went to her mother and her father and said very respectfully i would like to i would like to um what was it
1: i would like to pursue a deeper friendship with your daughter
0: right and the end result being marriage the end result being marriage sort of like what i told you about me and mommy you know we were adults we were christians We knew that we didn't want to be single. We knew we wanted to be married. So me pursuing a woman was never about me pursuing the next date for this and I'm going to go over here and this one and go over here. It was always a pursuit of marriage. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So whoever I saw, you know, that's where it was going to be going. So, And I I totally respect that. I mean, sometimes you can find things on this, on PureFlix, it's kind of corny. But if you stick with the stories... I mean, this one wasn't corny at all. But I mean, it had a cornboard moment or two.
1: Like that one where the kid was like, I can't believe we have to ride the bus every day.
0: Oh, we didn't even get past <laughs> that film at all, man. Mm. Oof. No. Couldn't I couldn't. I just I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't deal with the poor acting. and the, it was just Anyway, so back to this film and why I think it resonates with this book, especially these two chapters where... The way he, it's, it's even almost sort of like biblical when they had the betrothal in and, and biblical times where the person was always, the guy was always around the entire family. Yeah. And, you know, and they kept close to the family and he grew with the family. And you can also see, I, I believe, in those days that you didn't uproot the girl from her family. I think you were, we were reading that and you discovered that even after I was talking to you about it, you discovered that, you know, you didn't uproot them from that. And if we look at the Bible, it's like, you know, a man leaves his mother and father and cleaves to his wife. It never says that the wife leaves, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, by these standards, you know, your wife is in love with you. And yes, she will say, I'll go. And mommy said with me, wherever you go, I'll go. If you want to go over here, you go over there. And I was like, that's fine but we didn't really go anywhere too far. but, And so there's that component to it. So he kind of, he knew this family for, I would say like half a year, right? It was at least six months. Yeah. That he had been around them before, you know, pursuing with the girl, uh, with the young lady. And then they just took that very slow. he come out, he would hang with the family. They baked some stuff that we had no idea who they were giving these things to. Yeah. <laughs> He helped they would out. just
1: make baskets of stuff.
0: Uh, yeah, some sort of gift basket. So the family got a chance to interact with him. They got a chance to see him. He got a chance to see them. And so you had the whole dynamics that was totally missing from Mister Hansey and every other boyfriend that she had. And he turned out to be almost every one of the well, all the bullet points and more that Vodi Baka was talking about in that first chapter.
1: Yeah.
0: Um which was great. And like I said, I didn't pick this to to do that. That was quite by accident. But it was a good, a very good picture of how things should be pursued and then how they work. Almost like the movie we saw last night, which was a different tale. (laughs) Young lady, a woman doesn't chase after a man. (laughs) Different movie for another time, but. Any more you have to bring about the film? No. Okay. So am I just talking, or do you see the parallels between what you were learning and then in that book?
1: I do, yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was great stuff. So if you have Pure Flicks, then you might want to check that out. It's called um, Princess Cut. And, of course, the book is not part of Princess Cut but what he must be if he wants to uh, marry my daughter, and kind of what my son must be before he take a wife. So, it's a great book, and we're gonna be exploring this for the next couple of weeks, and um, as we're going through it, we're gonna share with you here on our Thursday's book review stuff. We have no idea what it is gonna be called yet, but so, um, stay tuned. Come back next week for uh, what are we going to be doing? I guess chapter 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 three and four. That would make sense, right? If we did two.
1: Yes.
0: It's so why are you leaning on me?
1: Because.
0: My feet, I'm already tired. Stop. Okay. See now it's time to wrap up. You getting silly, man. All right, folks. Well, we're going to get out of here, and I hope you all have a great, great, great weekend. We'll catch you back here. Um, not Monday unless we find something we want to do I don't want to just do a filler episode but perhaps we should Um, our Walking Dead Mondays will be coming back but the Walking Dead doesn't return until the end of February so February 28th 28th, so then we'll probably that will be one of our first days and um, maybe we'll go over we'll recap some of the stuff that happened before that and do that on a Monday so until that time, we will catch you back here next Tuesday. And again, have a great weekend. Um, and get out there and just try to love one another and have some fun. Right? Yes. You got your finger on the button? Yeah. You about to say it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, we'll say it. Say goodbye. Say goodbye, kid.
1: Goodbye, alien.
0: Really? Say goodbye, kid. Goodbye, alien.